Hi, Stably. Hi, Jerry. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, a little bit worse than yesterday, but, you know. Better than tomorrow? <laughs> Better than tomorrow. Yeah. Just, just you know, copacetic. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's going on? What's going on? Uh, I don't know. A whole lot of nothing. Uh, every year it gets a little warmer, <laughs> but also a little colder. All right. Yeah. Let's tell the people what we're doing today. Uh, we are going to be talking about On Decline, Stagnation, Nostalgia, and Why Every Year is the Worst One Ever uh, by Andrew Potter, um, which was my pick. Um, and uh, I think like I mentioned last time, this is uh, the first time we've done a book, uh, a second book by uh, the same author, mm-hmm. Andrew Potter. Uh, we previously uh, did a book by him and another guy, Heath, I think was his yeah, co-author's jo- name. Joseph Heath. Joseph Heath. And we, it was called uh, Nation of Rebels, a.k.a. The Rebel Cell. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it had many titles and many Amazon listings. Yeah. Uh, and... Um, this book is kind of uh, in the same, in a similar vein. Um, how would you describe this book? I've, I've well, go, go, how would you describe this book? How would I? Um, well, it, it, I guess it's on the, t- it's in the title actually. So it's, yeah. it is why every year is the worst one ever. So it's uh, in the declinist genre mm-hmm. of, of books or essays. It's pretty short, so I, I think it's more of an essay, um, which I might get into later. Um, so he, yeah. Oh, go ahead. He, just to say that he uh, obviously talks about um, the Great Stagnation by Tyler yep. Cowan, mm-hmm. and he refers to that as an essay. And this can't be any longer than that. So I think that one is even longer. But yeah. you know, whatever. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a field notes book, Jerry. Uh-huh. <laughs> whatever that means. Um, what are those called? Kindle signals? Kindle singles. Yeah, that? yeah, kind of. Yeah, so it's it's kind of like that. It's very, it's quite short, uh, breezy read. Um, anyway, yeah. So it's 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 him trying to explain why it feels that every year just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, hashtag praying for the meteor uh-huh. or, or asteroid, uh, and it's him. You know, trying to kind of put some flesh on the bones of like that common. A complaint that people seem to have had since uh, especially 2016 especially 2016 yeah um, and it's it's i don't know if it's rare or not but he seeing a title like this or, or a book like this i would think he's going to try to debunk that right things are getting worse but no it's actually it's it's no no things are getting worse and here are the reasons why even at the very end where he gets to the part where he you know, the obligatory you know it doesn't have to be this way right we can you know, we have the capacity to write the ship, mm-hmm. like w- within two or three sentences, he says, but we're not. And it's just gonna, <laughs> this is what, just, the, this is this what is decline it. looks like. I think the last, what is the last line? This is what decline looks like. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. So, so it's a, and it's a, it's a pick me up book. <laughs> it is. And it's decline um, sort of, this can't be said enough masked by this illusion of progress that really is just, we were just talking about, uh, uh, how I was going to order the next book we're reading uh, for next time. And I saw on Amazon that it, I could have it by 4 a.m. tomorrow morning or, or tonight. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> my God, the progress. I mean, think about, you know, surfs. What would they would think about that? Or 
Well, you mean the surf delivering your book at 4 a.m. <laughs> hopped up on on like industrial grade prescription uh, methamphetamines. Methamphetamineeffects.com. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this is, I guess, uh, the, a, a close cousin of this would be Ross Dowdhouse. Ross Dowdhouse. Yeah. Uh, which was what was it? The Great Stagnation. Is that what it was called? No, so that's Tyler Cowen's book. Um, <sighs> the Great. Uh, what was that called? Klein. Uh, Oh God, how can I, I'm blanking on it now. Anyhow, people know what, what it is. People know, our, our listeners know. Yeah, so uh, it's, it's actually quite similar. It's, it's like a quarter of the length, but it hits a lot of the same. Uh, it's similar. Similar notes. But he, um, so maybe this is what you were gonna, what you were gonna get at about this being an essay. So we, you know, like everybody complain sometimes when you, when you read one of these books, that's like 350 pages, you know, the obligatory length for a book. Um, that this is way too long. This could have been a magazine article, right? Mm-hmm. And this book kind of takes that um, that tack and you know wastes no space. Everything here is like, and it just feels so. I wouldn't say dense. It's not dense, but it's it's concentrated, mm-hmm. right? He has he is making use of so many concepts uh, and so many. Um, uh, you know, concepts that in themselves have been books and he's putting them all, you know, into this. And it's just, it's so concentrated. Would you, would you agree with that? I agree. I, I still thought it could have been shorter. Really? <laughs> yeah. I think I could, could be a little short. Maybe I'm just kind of pissed that I had to pay money for it when <laughs> it really should be like a New Yorker article that I somehow right. steal uh, off from the internet for free. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, you could very easily see something like this being at least twice as long filled out with, yeah. I mean, just like a book like this would be filled with like pop culture detritus, just filling the space with, um, examples with, with, with examples and stuff and just going on too long as we do, uh, with all sorts of nonsense. So I did appreciate that. Like he got, he, he was good at getting to the point. Right. Uh, okay. So how do you want to, the decadent society, Jerry. The decadent that's, society. That's right. Yeah. So how do you want to? How do you want to proceed? I mean, I, is it worth for us to like recapitulate the, the book, or do you want to just talk about it? Or yeah, let's just recapitulate it really quick. Okay. Um, so, um, as the book says, on decline. Uh, why every year is the worst one ever. Um, he just comes out and says it. We're in a state of decline. Kind of we being uh, the West. I think. Um, is you know that's that's his audience and that's who he's talking about uh, like the western democracies north america austro-asia or whatever he calls it um, and western europe um, <clears throat> excuse me so you know his his general thesis as we kind of mentioned is you know things are just kind of decaying and declining year to year um, he makes reference to a william gibson book that you mentioned you've read the peripheral i am in the middle of it you're in the middle of it i'm almost done with it Okay. So where, uh, I won't get into spoilers, but it seems like things just kind of, it's a book about, you know, the future among other things, just things keep getting worse and worse until they all kind of really fall apart. Um, And that's what uh, Potter says is happening now that all sorts of different systems and institutions in Western society are kind of decaying, degrading, stagnating, Mm -hmm. declining, all those words. but you know, it's kind of been masked by the incredible amount of wealth that Western societies have accumulated 
I mean, especially in the 20th century, but basically since the Industrial Revolution and the Enlightenment. But we are, I mean, essentially, you know, eating the seed corn at this point. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it, things are starting to kind of fray around the edges um, since like maybe the 2000s or especially since the 20 teens and Donald Trump and all that. So, uh, so that's the general thesis. Yeah. So, but it's very much um, the great stagnation by Tyler Cowen. Right. And so, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Right. So the idea was we, uh, we sort of stumbled upon the enlightenment and with that came all of this um, uh, economic growth and progress. Right. Uh-huh. Um, and at this point we've kind of run out of uh, low-hanging fruit, as Tyler Cowen would say. Um, but whereas Tyler Cowen, I think, would say that it's a, it's a matter of uh, sort of the limits of technology, um, he takes a page from, oh, God, I didn't write down his name, but some self-published uh, nanotech guy with a book about flying cars. Yes, uh, I made a note. Uh, <laughs> or Hanson or something like that. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's called Where Is My Flying Car? Right. Yeah. So he takes a page from that and says, no, that the cause of the great stagnation uh, is actually sort of the, uh, uh, well, what Francis Fukuyama calls a vitocracy, right? So it's uh, the political interference with science and uh, uh, entrepreneurship and development, right? And uh, sort of a hostility to science that comes from the counterculture, you know, formerly left, now increasingly right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and that's, and so it's, and, it, and it's, and I, he doesn't quite put it this way, but it seems to me it's kind of like a, a vicious cycle. Like it's, it's we, we've, in, we've entered into a self-reinforcing um, uh, system of some kind where, you know, he sort of explains that like progress is the advance of civilization, right? Uh-huh. Which is sort of our capacity to act collectively. And he talks a lot about collective action. We should, we should talk about that a little bit. Uh-huh. We want to act collectively rather than tribally. Uh, and so doing that is dependent on reason, right? But the, our capacity for reason is dependent on growth. Uh, if you don't have in, uh, continuously increasing growth, you will revert to tribal behavior because you think to yourself, well, this isn't, this is not, we're, we're back to a zero sum game, right? Um, and, and so you become more inward looking and, and more tribal. Uh, and as a result, you get less growth. <laughs> yeah, sure. Right? Um, yeah, yeah. And, and actually like that's one of the virtues of the book. He actually goes kind of step by step and trying to spell out like, I'm not just complaining about the music yeah. sucks. Uh, it's, it's um, he's, he's giving the reasons for why X leads to Y and then leads to Z and all the rest. Yeah, um, yeah so I think you've sketched that out pretty, pretty well. Yeah, like the first chapter is what is called like progress and it's him just, none of these are very, uh, like uh, outsider theories, right? It's it's pretty basic standard stuff. Like mm-hmm. we, you know, what is civilization? What is progress? You know, how do you get from nasty, brutish, and short to uh, books delivered at four a.m.? Um, it, it's it's these things, um, you know, like rationality and science and the collective decision making um, to solve, you know, collective uh, 
you know, social problems, which include like, you know, peace and like a system of law and uh, free trade and all those other things. Like you need collective decision-making to achieve any of that. Um, so that's like, you know, chapter one or something like that. And, you know, this is how you get civilization. This is how you get people not attacking each other with sticks. Um, and then, you know, we have this beautiful system and it's all kind of starting to fall apart. And here are the reasons why. And he seems to, he makes a claim. I think that it's, the violence is inherent in the system that <laughs> it, it is kind of the enlightenment and he doesn't really say capitalism, but like liberalism and rationality that, that is, a, is almost at fault for its own kind of undoing, which I'm not sure he makes. Well, so, so I think this is what he says. He says that basically we've gotten so rich that we can now afford to hold beliefs that are irrational. Right, the luxury beliefs. Luxury is. beliefs, yep. right? So um, how would he put it? Uh, <clears throat> he says that uh, survival uh, has been replaced um, as like the uh, primary imperative of, of humanity, uh -huh. right? Which is why we band together in families and tribes uh, to, to, you know, maintain our survival and once once you know and that doesn't really scale and for somehow and this is this is something i don't quite understand is is he, he kind of says that we stumbled onto the enlightenment and onto this oasis of uh but somehow we did and i want to talk about that and help, see if you can help me understand how do you think that happened um sure thing because <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't explain it so or maybe i missed it i guess is what, I, what i'm asking no he doesn't really explain it yeah. So, yeah. The, but the point is, is that once we get past the enlightenment and we have this exponential growth, um, survival is no longer kind of our, our dominant societal imperative. Uh, it's um, status. Yeah. Right. Um, mm -hmm. We can now focus on the next thing uh, is sort of status competition. And that leads um, sort of inevitably to um, identity politics and culture war and tribalism. So you kind of start going backwards but not backwards because you've got all this uh you know growth that you can just kind of coast on um and so you, you can believe in QAnon, and you can believe you know that you have to triple mask um and these beliefs aren't going to affect your ability to buy groceries get gas go place you know what i'm saying yep you, you can still you know um so, um, and of course he, he, he adds, you know, on top of that, you've got, uh, social media, which just is rocket fuel, uh, for irrational beliefs. Yeah. So I, I guess like more specifically the, the, like the terrible negative feedback loop like cycle that we have is a kind of a general economic stagnation, which is driven by all sorts of factors. And one of them is. Like the great stagnation that Tyler Cowen talks about, where we're kind of we've picked the low-hanging fruit. So that causes a well, it makes people believe that there's a zero-sum game going on in terms of economic growth. But on top of that, we are we are actually so rich that people have, and this is my claim, have people have fooled themselves into thinking that they're so rich that they can engage in status games and right. Um, and that's also like status is by its nature, zero sum. So mm -hmm. you've got like a status zero sum games mixed with 
what people believe to be like uh, maybe economic zero-sum games because of inequality and stagnation and all the rest. Um, and then you've got, you know, social media thrown on top of that, which is just a great way to... It's a big status game yes. uh, platform, right? Yeah, it just amplifies everything. And the what it's especially amplifying is, you know, the alt-right, the control left, the, the status games, the... Uh, all the negativity and toxicity that you know might have been there anyway but now it's just all over the place and everyone is addicted to it and can't addicted. stop yeah and then he says and i think this is a quote uh politics is eating the world and it's making collective action and even the exercise of reason itself nearly impossible in what amounts to a culture-wide return to barbarism <laughs> Yes. And I think what he means by politics isn't like yeah, yeah, yeah. partisan electoral politics, no. but he, earlier in the book, he talks about. It's what you just uh, described. It's, it's yes. all that status stuff you just described. Yeah. Pol politics is like the uh, the status stuff, like you said. Yeah. yeah. The office politics, politics, not the, yeah, not the, the constitutional the convention. The, yeah. The, the mask versus anti-mask and Tifa versus Proud Boy, right? Like whatever. Yeah. It's all that. Yeah. Uh, so, so what else to maybe uh, uh, put on the table as it were before. Um, so I think an interesting um, thing I took from this is how he talks about how human rationality is scaffolded, mm -hmm. right? How rationality reason is not something that we have. It's something that we do. Right. Um, and I, and it's kind of like, um, I feel it's, you know, the, does he mention um, idiocracy in this? I don't think he does. Maybe in, maybe in a footnote that I didn't click on, but no, he doesn't. Yeah, but it's, of course, this reminds me very much of idiocracy because this book basically explains how you get from here to watering the crops with Brondo, right? <laughs> because you forget. Uh, basically, we, we have all of this scaffolding um, that we've built up, but we're not exercising, you know, because we're doing all this other stuff, all, the, all these status games and, and whatnot. Um, we're not doing reasoning anymore. And it's only a matter of time before that scaffolding just begins to crumble. And we don't remember what any of that was. I mean, exactly. Uh, I mean, this is, like I said earlier, none of these points that he's making um, yeah or um, like that crazy they're like everyone kind of knows mm -hmm. what 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 all of these inputs are to his arguments it's just uh he's very good at stitching it all together but yeah like the point is you as a individual lone person even if you're like the smartest person in the world mm -hmm. uh you're not going to be able to reason your way uh to, to an airplane to yeah to an airplane or even you know a pencil Right. <laughs> anything, anything like that. You're, you're, you're kind of dependent on everyone else in the world kind of more or less playing the same, playing the same game and contributing. So that's the scaffold. It's society. Right. It's uh, the constitution of knowledge. It's all that good stuff. Um, well, and as so, the world becomes more tribal, right. It, it, you, yeah. It becomes. More, yeah. The scaffolding starts, starts falling apart. So yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, and, you know, we've, we've kind of talked about that before offline, mm -hmm. just in terms of like, <laughs> we're going to, we're going to get banned by Twitter and Google, like, you know, ivermectin and all of that stuff. It's, 
you know, like we all know that it's stupid to take horse tranquilizer for COVID, <laughs> but like, do we, <laughs> it's not right. So uh, God, whatever. Like, I don't know if this is like a mini uh, thing about it, but it became so tribal so quickly where it's either you stupid more on you're taking horse stuff. Yeah. And this is the cure all that the government is trying to keep from. Right. And it's neither of those things. Ivermectin, is a is truly is a miracle drug that the, the discoverers of which got the Nobel Prize and it has saved millions upon millions of people, right? So to denigrate it as like horse dewormer is like ridiculous. <laughs> and the really, if you look at the uh, you know at the science, uh, the jury is out whether it um, helps with um, COVID. But what we can say for sure is that it, it's no it's not better than uh, the vaccines and and it's not it's not like you should not take the vaccine because ivermectin exists and from what little like I think the one controlled trial that's been done it seems like like ivermectin has you know like a marginal effect on uh, as a treatment and juries out so you see what I'm saying it's like it's complicated and forget it we've just gone straight to horsey wormer stupid MAGA thing and uh, you know the disc is trying to suppress whatever you know sucks <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that's the problem with uh with everything right it's it's all politicized as he said uh but that you know if it it, it it you know in my opinion we're i agree with him we're rapidly approaching the point where it is impossible it will be impossible if it isn't already to make uh decisions based on either your own i mean you i guess you could try to base it on your own vast wisdom and knowledge of every topic that twitter is discussing <laughs> um but you really have to again hashtag believe the experts and trust the process but you know if that's completely broken or even but mildly broken like which way is it mildly broken uh it's it's uh it's like epistemological anarchy going on so yeah, you have to trust the experts, but then he's got a chapter on the pandemic, which he kind of uses as a um, example for everything he's discussed before. Um, and I'm not sure, it, 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 I think that's his weakest chapter. Uh, yes, um, I agree. But um, nonetheless, he shows how the experts were like completely wrong, largely for partisan reasons, you know, not partisan, but for political reasons. Right. So again, yeah. you, you're kind of stuck. You're, you're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because it's, um, you know, I, I think maybe a few years ago you could, it, it was very easy and probably correct to say, you know, there are a million people submitting their theory of time travel to mm -hmm. science, you know, magazine or science journals and, um, they're all wrong, except maybe there's that one in a million guy who actually is an Einstein, patent clerk type person, even though I, that's not exactly how it happened. Um, so, you know, we can safely ignore people that aren't credentialed and experts in their field because, again, maybe you want to give them a chance, but really you don't because most of them are completely crazy. But I don't know how you can really say that anymore, right? Because everyone who is effed up from the public health people to uh, whoever was in charge of our withdrawal from Afghanistan to to the geniuses doing, you know, Bitcoin legislation on Capitol Hill. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like 
well, you're the experts. You've been proudly proclaiming that you're experts. Seems like things didn't go very well. So is it just you're really bad at it? And I have to find better experts, but who's going to help me find the better experts? <laughs> you know, it's... Uh, well, and it, it goes to um, the politicization and bureaucratization of science that... What's his name? The flying car nanotech guy? Oh, I have it here. See if you have it. But he yeah. he talks about how you, you can correlate the great stagnation to the explosion in PhDs, right? Yes. And when you have, when you, when you, you know, when you, when you create this Ponzi scheme of PhDs uh, that has been created, everybody has an incentive uh, to remain a, a, an expert with a sinecure, right? Well, it's not just that, it's just, you know, politics, like just actual, you know, politics operates in, in every field you know, everywhere. So you've created these funding agencies. Mm -hmm. You need to man them. I'm sorry, staff them uh, with people. <laughs> um, those people are not sent from heaven, right? They are just going to be normal, normal scientists who have their own ax to grind or have their own priorities and their own biases. And it should be not really a surprise that, you know, research gets funneled into very specific things and you get taboos and you get scientists who are only human after all, you know, rejiggering their research programs to fit whatever the people in charge of the funding agencies that day want them to, to do. So he made the point that it, it, he's Canadian, the, the author that um, the Canadian government started focusing on like what AI or something yeah. like brain research. So every, AI, yeah. every scientist in Canada like rewrote their abstracts for their grant applications to focus on AI. Um, this well, is the whatever kind of, you were working on. Yeah, whatever you're working on. Yeah. Already, whatever you were already working on, um, you would just say that it what you're working on is AI. Exactly. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, but again, so so yes, I, th I think that's absolutely right. But also, if you you know create this um, Ponzi scheme of PhDs, um, where, you know, what you want to do is um, get your PhD so you can become tenured faculty, so you can have, um, you know, a bunch of uh, PhD students beneath you that will then do what? Become fa tenured faculty themselves? I mean, this can, this cannot go on forever. Uh, and when you, when you have this explosion, um, I, I mean, the quality can't be the same. Yeah, I don't know if he gets into that, does he? Um, no, 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 but I, I'm just... I'm, oh, yes. This is me. This is you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a common problem, even in STEM fields. It's, um, you can only... You have to do invent new fields. Yes. You know, to, to, in order yeah. to, to, to sop up all the extra uh, PhDs. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> like gravy. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, this is not a... I mean, I think, you know, people talk about the humanities not having any jobs, but I think it's difficult even for people in STEM, uh, even from very good programs to find a tenure track job that could lead to you having your own lab at some point. And obviously, if you have, if you graduate 15 people each year, right? you know, there's hundreds of colleges or even dozens doing that. And there's only a few dozen tenure track jobs that actually 
give you the lifestyle that these people want. Uh, yeah, that sounds exactly like a Ponzi scheme. Now, obviously, there's like industry. Well, and, and some of them like are going to go find their ways to industry, I'm sure. Yeah, so yeah. Some of them are going to go to a pharmaceutical uh, firms and uh, discover uh, the vaccines and stop the pandemic. Some of them are going to go to the FDA. Sure. Right? Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, what, what was the other thing I was going to say about that? Uh, yeah, and then you also have the creation of new fields. And so the people at the FDA and at the uh, pharmaceutical companies, before they can get any work done, are going to have to go through uh, diversity training from <laughs> some, right? So this all accretes, and I think this is kind of gets to his point, right? And you have this phytocracy that he's, you know, uh, Fukuyama uh, coined that word, where everything just is just layered and layered on with experts who are there to make everything better but it's it's (laughs) what does he say the trains um used to be it used to used to cost like half as much per mile of track to build out trains and they would go faster in Uh a a century ago that's right anyhow yeah so it's yeah i mean so it's uh jay stores hall where is my flying car which yeah. uh, might be a fun book Thank to you. read. It's on Kindle. It's three dollars and fourteen cents. So Amazing. It's, it's it's pie. So I'm sure he he made that decision himself. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is just a bureaucratic bureaucratization of everything, right? It's just this creep that, yeah, you can't do anything. Uh, so again, I work at a university. It's a public university, which brings its own you know issues because the same laws for hiring a janitor yeah. at a state prison apply more or less to hiring a researcher in a chemistry lab. Right. So obviously you don't want the warden just hiring family members into the prison. So you need, you know, well, you're going to hire somebody. Well, you need to make that a public announcement and you need to interview people and blah, 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 blah. Except when you run a lab and you have a postdoc that you want to promote into a, uh, just a hypothetical example here, you want to promote a postdoc to a full-time like researcher and you know, the person standing right there in front of you, you want to hire him. Nope. You have to open up the position and you have to interview people like for real. And you don't just interview people anymore, right? You have to have a committee, a search committee with all the right demographic boxes ticked. And you can't fake the funk because, you know, you know, that's easy enough to do. You really have to do it. And that's just going to take forever. But let's say you get through it, right? It wastes so many people's times. And who are these people whose time is being wasted? These are like the chemists who are coming up with COVID testing, right? (laughs) Uh, you know, science and the rest. So that's just to hire one person who's already in your lab into a slightly higher position where they make a little bit more money. Eh, maybe we won't do that. So imagine trying to like, I don't know, open a chemical factory somewhere in America. Right. Uh, I imagine it's quite difficult. So it's, um, it's, I mean, I, I think it's just so obvious and blatant, <laughs> like you would have to be a complete and total partisan hack in one direction or the other to not notice that this is just strangling <laughs> everything. I mean, just everything in this country. I mean, I know, uh, like, you know, we're all super rich and, and all the rest, but like still a, a huge amounts of huge amounts of work to be done with just fixing the roads and all that. And it's, it's practically impossible. Uh, it seems like just the countless layers of bureaucracy. Uh, 
that that's that section resonated the the most with me i mean right. maybe it's because i'm like a stupid libertarian but um but don't worry you'll have the metaverse soon yeah the metaverse sure we'll all be we'll all be batteries that's your <laughs> that's your solution jerry right <laughs> no, this is where it's going. Sure. I mean, and he talks about this, right? Like it, 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 we're increasingly just plugging ourselves in. Uh, okay. So maybe we should talk about a couple of other things. Um, so the name of the book is Stagnation, Nostalgia, and Why Every Year's uh, the Worst One Ever. Uh, we haven't talked about nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <clears throat> so let me see if I can articulate what he's saying. Uh, he is saying that uh, basically... Um, we have the end of history, uh, which is not really the end of history, but we have the end of history. And so uh, there's like this new um, perpetual present uh, and, and it's not working out uh, because you have this decline. And so people have, um, you know, try to uh, people in their, in their respective tribes kind of try to hearken back to a better time, right? So that's kind of nostalgia is where you imagine uh, a time that was better and innocent. Um, uh, and you kind of try to live in that world and try to uh, uh, recreate that world. But all that does is just feed the partisanship, right? Because it's, you're, you're going back to what your tribe thought was uh, the better time. Yeah, I, I think that's his... I didn't really find this section that persuasive, but um, yeah, that that's kind of how he lays things out. Um, and he kind of starts with nostalgia in in terms of like culture and TV shows and Stranger Things, and then he mm-hmm. he tries to guide that into politics and especially like right wing populism in the West in America and in the UK, like Donald Trump, make America great again, Brexit. I don't know what. <laughs> how that is nostalgic but presumably it's hearkening back to some well, idea of, of england and the united yeah. kingdom as an empire yep um although i'm not as familiar with any of those discussions and as i said i don't trust anything in the news so <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> i don't know uh but that, that's the idea yeah yeah i mean i i guess what i would say is is that what he's saying is that culture today is largely nostalgic and this is something that ross dow that um in Deccan society went on at length about Mm -hmm. um and what i think the point he's making is that at root nostalgia is about identity politics and about uh populism and culture war Uh, yeah i I didn't buy that or i'm not sure i buy it i I think it it can be but um what he's taught in terms of culture what he's talking about are like prestige uh they're not cable. They're like streaming service shows. I guess Mad Men was cable, right? These are prestige, what people call prestige television. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if Magatards are watching Mad Men or Stranger Things for that matter. Right. Right. That- uh, so, I mean, maybe if you had other examples of how like the culture, like the culture industry leads right. or is even connected to people that want to go back to I don't know when they want to go back to the fifties. I, I would find that more plausible, but just saying that people yeah. like Mad Men and Stranger Things, therefore MAGA, I don't really buy yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other thing is I am old enough to remember when it was liberals writing books and articles about how great the fifties were because mm-hmm. everyone was in a union. It wasn't that long ago. Right. Um, so 
like it's completely flipped um, in, in that aspect, at least. Although you still like the Green New Deal, right? All of these liberalism in America is still kind of hearkening back to FDR mm-hmm. and all of that stuff, which I mean, I, barely anyone is alive to remember it in real life, but that is still such a huge part of the appeal of the Democratic Party. So I don't know if it's just purely a right-wing populist thing. Um, so I, that, that section, I, don't, I didn't really buy. I, I didn't buy the connection. I do agree that there is a lot of, I mean, it's in the label, right? Make America great again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, although I think Joe Biden basically <laughs> just like moved some words around and his logo was just the same, the same thing. Um, so I, I don't think it's just a right-wing populist thing. Um, it's, it's, it's just everywhere. But again, I'm not sure how it connects to just yeah. like TV and pop culture. Let me ask you about uh, the pandemic. Uh, so he's got a chapter in the pandemic. Go right ahead, Jerry. I'm ready. You ready? I'm ready. Um, so one thing he claims is that one thing that separates the countries that did quote unquote well in their response to the pandemic versus those that didn't is that those that did well are basically, they have a, a challenging uh, geography, strategic geography. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so he points to Israel, Taiwan, um, he says Australia. Um, what other countries at the Z? But basically, New, Ze- New Zealand, New Zealand, South Korea, South Korea. So these are yeah, South Korea. So these are countries that do not take for granted um, uh, that uh, they can just keep eating the low hanging fruit. Right at any moment, they could have uh, barbarians coming you know, streaming over their uh, uh, their frontier, and so these are countries that by necessity have to take very seriously um, their own security, right? Which Mm -hmm. is a collective action endeavor. Uh, And so they're primed to, um, to do collective action, right? To, to, to be a civilization. What what do you uh, make of that? Uh, I I don't know if I buy that either. I mean, yeah. So now the UK is also an Island, so it didn't do very well. Although like well, he addresses that he says it's sure. not just being an island. Yeah. Uh, no, no. What I'm saying is a lot of those are islands and yeah. it seems to help. Yeah. They're not just islands. They're really far away from everything. Right. Like the UK is not, I know that Australia is very close to China and obviously well, Taiwan is. And, and Taiwan obviously is, but you know, there might be other things that played a role other than strategic geography. I don't know if I fully buy that. Right. No, I mean, but his, his point is that this, this is the strategic geography uh, challenge makes them have to be primed to uh, have wherewithal to face you know security challenges that require collective action. So the UK doesn't, right? Because France is not going to like the, the UK is in a place right now where, although it's an island, its security is pretty um, uh, guaranteed. Uh, whereas Taiwan and Israel's is not, right? So it's that it's that the geography, um, rec- you know, creates a certain tendency in the society that does not exist elsewhere. Yeah, but I mean, like Russia's geography makes it incredibly insecure, and they're yeah. like doing incredibly poorly. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. You know, like lots of Israel is not the only country that has. So the other thing Bad I was going to say, neighbors, you know, in, in the Middle East, even right. The, so I, I don't know. The thing I was going to say is that you can tell when he wrote this uh, chapter during the mm-hmm. pandemic, 
because I think subsequent to him writing it, uh, Taiwan and South Korea and uh, uh, Israel even, I think, uh, have not fared as well as they had, right? They, they totally dipped. And yeah, this seems like it was written like spring, yeah. very, very, maybe very, very early summer. Um, yeah. And I, I think, again, I'm not, not an expert, like, I think those countries are still doing significantly better than yeah. like the United States or the United Kingdom. But uh, it, it did make me think like, when vaccines became available here in the United States, everyone was like laughing and <laughs> making fun of England, or right. I'm sorry, Europe. Right. For not having their vaccine game in order. And I don't know what's happened since then. Are they all still, you know, scrounging in the, in the gutter for vaccines? They probably like got it figured out and are doing really well again. And nobody cared to write that story up, or maybe they did and nobody read it. Uh, so it, it seems like maybe like even right now in early September 21, it's still too early to say who did well and who did poorly because like Australia is still in like extreme lockdown, I guess it's very hard to figure out like what's going on over there and they are not vaccinating people very much or very quickly. So they could very easily have like a disaster on their hands, much right. like Southeast Asia. Everyone thought they were doing really and well. And can then, I say, yeah, that's the other thing that he, um, and, and maybe this is uh, me being irrational and having luxury beliefs, uh, but what he equates to success, to doing better, to you know, to doing well relative to other countries, is you know he 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 lays out a very specific course of action that is the obvious collective action course of action that one would take, and it is basically uh, 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 was a track and trace or whatever, like pri privacy destroying track and trace, uh, added to that. Um, sort of uh, liberty denying lockdowns, right? Like this is what you would do to, to stop this. And uh, you know, that, that's kind of how he measures success. Um, so yeah, and for what it's worth, yeah. Exactly. So, you know, I, it might just be that like Western non-Asian societies or even just societies that aren't like Taiwan, South Korea, China, and Japan are not able to accomplish these things unless you're like an island. Or Israel, or right? Israel, where yeah, yeah, but you know it's a. But then that lends credence to his to his argument. Sure. Right? Yeah. Yeah, but you know I don't know. Um, they've got other other things going on <laughs> in that country. It also helps to be like the size of like Staten Island or something. Yeah, I know it's bigger than that, but still. Um. <laughs> All right, so um, I guess maybe uh, what else is there left to discuss? I you know. The next book I'd like to read uh, is what do we do about all this, right? Because you have to, like, look, I, I, I'm pretty convinced that we're fucked in, in, the, in this way, generally speaking, in this way. Uh, and so then the question for me is, what do you do just as an individual who just sees this? Um, you want to, I, I guess all you can do is just eat Arby's. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, until yeah. the meat gets tainted, but nobody resigns. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. What, what, so, uh, well, what I are think you it, left with? I think it dovetails well with one of our previous books um, by, uh, by Samo. Mm -hmm. um, you need 
and, and it's a little strange because he um so potter makes he says we a lot or yeah. like western society or the enlightenment these are very it's just fine right that's very common but um you know i know it's popular to blame like horse pace eating magatards for for all our, our our ills but i mean really it's the it's the elites right these are the people who are fucking up and you know either we're noticing it more and more or they're doing it more and more um and it's one thing to fuck up you know everyone makes mistakes every political career ends in failure but nobody resigns right and almost nobody gets fired and i think that's what really gets people's goat or at least mine that you can you can do almost anything it seems like and as long as you're politically important like in a pure partisan way you're basically fine i mean look at like our uh, former governor of new york he could basically do whatever he wanted until it kind of became you know we don't really need you anymore andy well so- and and to be clear he you know, he was, uh, it became untenable for him to stick around uh, because of his bullying, not because of decisions he made that led to the deaths of uh, millions, not millions, hundreds millions. of thousands, thousands, tens of thousands. Of- Ten, let's say, we'll say tens of thousands, which is plenty, plenty yeah. enough. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's like, um, and I think maybe it wasn't he- the fact, it wasn't the fact, I'm sorry, it wasn't the fact that he um, used. Uh, state resources to write a best-selling book about himself and how great he was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Or, yeah. None of that stuff. So, and maybe that's the way it always is. Right. But I think it used to be like, at least they, somebody made you fall on your sword right. or God forbid, like your own morals and scruples um, made you resign. But I, I just don't see anybody doing that ever anywhere. Um you know, and I think maybe it's like you don't notice, but your brain notices mm-hmm. that like, why are these people still here? Why are they still like being sanctimonious and lecturing to us? Um, and I, I think that's the biggest problem really is like nobody pays at, 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 like at a high enough level. If you're high enough, you just don't pay. And if you do, if you are forced to resign, like whoever those people are that ran the Me Too organizations that basically carried water for Andrew Cuomo's sexual harassment escapades, like they resigned. And I wonder where, where, where they will be in a few months, probably running some sort of DNC, you know, laundering organization again. You know who I'm talking about? All those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, or, yeah. Or, or they'll be at a big law firm. Sure. Or you know consulting firm or yeah i mean like all the people that um helped us uh get into those wonderful wars that we're just finishing up they're still around running their various online magazines nobody has gone in disgrace um even donald trump he's not gone in disgrace not really so i i think like unless you start putting people's heads on spikes which i know is itself a, a dicey proposition like it can't possibly get better like there's people, people don't do the right thing a lot of the times unless they're forced. And really the, you know, I don't and, see and why, why, why don't you have that forcing? Is it because their tribe uh, rallies around them? Yeah, it might be, you know, I'm sure there's another Andrew Potter book in there somewhere, but yeah. for me, it's like, we are entering the super, we're in the superstar economy. You have to be the very best to 
accomplish anything. And you probably don't live in Chapel Hill or Urbandale, Iowa, when you're the very best. You live in LA, San Fran, New York, DC, whatever. And all of your friends and all of your colleagues, your, your social group are all the other best at whatever they do. And um, people don't like throwing their friends to the wolves, right? These are your colleagues. These are the people you marry and your kids marry. It's the, uh, the PMC, <laughs> our ruling class. It, they're all like basically the same group and they're not gonna, these elites are not gonna, you know, kill each other off so that only the, uh, the most competent survives. Uh, I mean, this is like pretty incohate what I'm saying, but I, I think that's uh, the problem. Jeffrey Tubin is back on CNN full-time as chief legal commentator. Poor man did nothing wrong. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's like, they're all friends with each other. I don't expect friends to, uh, you know, eviscerate each other in that way i mean maybe they do but not 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 at that level um so yeah you're gonna have the same crappy people doing the same crappy stuff uh and it, it, it's up to other elites or or i don't know what some outside force to to change things because yeah it's screaming at tucker carlson on tv is not going to help and neither is taking ivermectin horse paste <laughs> it's like none of that does anything yeah um, it's it's going to have to be a cleansing fire well hopefully not <laughs> <laughs> hopefully not uh all right well um have we done it i it, in a way this book is um so it's it's satisfying in that it it as you say, he stitches a lot of things that you know um, together. And this is why I say it's sort of concentrated is because, you know, he takes um, all these book length concepts, right? So the great stagnation and uh, the where's my flying car guy and Fukuyama and Drostal that's right. Like he takes all these concepts and then stitches them together into the super concentrated step-by-step no, really, we're fucked. This this is just decline, and there's um, no real um, way back that's visible. Um, and so it's satisfying in that way where it, he puts all the pieces together, but it's incredibly unsatisfying when you're done because you're like, okay, well, now what? Yeah. Now what do you're, I do with this? Yeah, you're left kind of. It's like at the end of a, <clears throat> like a horror movie where the the good guys don't win right <laughs> it's like ugh, i feel queasy <laughs> like I, I don't want this i'm gonna go watch full house and eat our plug in. yeah 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 exactly yeah it, i guess it's admirable that he didn't try to say like well we'll just fence we'll fund civic education and um you know movies about america's founding i guess he wouldn't because he's canadian but right. <laughs> um yeah uh I mean, maybe he just feels like, yeah, there's really, you'll just we either muddle through it or we're, you know, we'll be feasting on each other's brains. Uh, soon no, enough. I, and I think what I take from it is if there isn't a cleansing fire that, uh, and that could ha well happen, you know, that there could be just some one thing leads to another. Um, the jackpot. Well, but that's, that's the thing about the jackpot, right? So the jackpot is not that it's not a cleansing fire. The jackpot is, um, it just it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse slowly. Yeah. Okay. For so a I long have time. I haven't read the book. I thought at some point it did like trip into something where. No, um, but it's just a long process. It, it was a long process, right? Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, uh, so the jackpot, um, and again, uh, as he says, it, in um, the peripheral, the jackpot is not really described. Uh, 
Uh It's just alluded to, um, but it does seem like 80% of uh, the population of the world died uh, over the course of um, like a, I don't know, 50, 100 year period. Right. So it just, it's just kind of, it's like, yeah, it it wasn't one big thing. It was, you know, just crop failures. (laughs) Uh, Right. Right. So, um, all right. I think that's it. I don't know what else to, to say, or do you have any? Uh, no, it's worth, it's worth a read. I think it Uh, it does. Yeah. I don't know what you think. Uh, I guess you just said what you think. I recommend it. You recommend it. I recommend it. Yeah. It's, it's short and sweet. Um, uh, so next time, I think maybe next time, uh, which is your pick, uh, <laughs> yes, I, yes. I, I think um, is one way to, to deal with this, right? Yes, this is, uh, we're all going to move. We're going to move to our, our beautiful Christian homesteads, <laughs> uh, hanging out with Roger Ayer. So my pick for next time is the Benedict Option, a strategy for Christians in a post-Christian nation. Uh, although neither, I guess neither one of us are really Christians. Um, I have heard this book discussed for years now. I guess it came out like four or five years ago. And I think um, even longer. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Actually. Well, 2017. Okay. Maybe that's the, uh, well, you're planning to, to read this with your ears, right? Uh, yeah. Um, okay. I, I think so. Well, we'll see. I, I see that it is available included in your in an Audible membership. So, well, yeah. we'll, we'll we'll see. So it might be 2017. I'm not sure. Anyway, um, it it sounds like you know it's an interesting book. I think a lot of people make fun of it. the The idea of the Benedict Option, um, a lot of people take it seriously. Uh, I'd just be curious um, what he has to say about it and what his what the actual strategy is. Uh, not being Christian, I'm not super interested in joining some sort of uh, Orthodox monastery uh, in in the Bayou of Louisiana. But still, um, you know, I think a lot of people who are kind of in our camp are, are starting to discuss some version of this, some version of kind of removing themselves from whatever passes for society in America right now. Uh, I think most of the time it has to do with like homeschooling or yeah. Uh, sending their kids to private school or to the Russian math school or something like which that, in, which in a way is, is is basically embracing the tribalism and and just saying, okay, well, look, let's just do this. Like, if this is what's going to happen, let's just do it right and sure. you take take ourselves as much as we can out of the culture war. Um, although you know you may be, you know you may not be interested in the culture war, the culture war is interested in you. Uh, and like, let's have an intentional community uh and, and embrace the tribalism is that is that a nice way of saying cult mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> well see i'm already making fun of it so um anyway i, I thought it'd be uh an yep. interesting read i'm not sure how fun it'll be or how how good but um i i usually enjoy his writings whether i agree with them or not so i thought i'd give this book a chance very good oh it's blurred by david brooks oh my god Wow. He actually, David Brooks is part of an intentional community. Do you know this? He do I want to know? Uh, he he has a, a column where he discusses this. Um, in fact, it's not. It was like a, like a maybe even a, a magazine article about this. Uh, so basically, he had an article explaining how the uh, traditional um, nuclear family 
maybe has run its course. And he talks about how he lives, his living situation is, it's like several families, like all raised kids together. He's got kind of that, that kind of situation going. Uh, yeah, super interesting. I mean, as long as they're not always at Comet Ping Pong, yeah. I guess I'm fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yeah. All right, Stably. See you next time. All right. See you next time. Bye.